This is More Than Conquerors with your Bible teacher, Pastor Ray Hegestilianos. As a teaching pastor for more than 35 years, Pastor Ray's heart and vision is simply to build up God's army, enabling them to stand strong in their faith. As the senior pastor at Living Word Christian Church in White Plains, New York, Pastor Ray will challenge you today to begin your walk in integrity and victory, forever changing your life as transformed by the power of God. More Than Conquerors is supported by the generous gifts of listeners like you. You can find us online by going to livingwordchurch.org. In Pastor Ray's traditional recounting of the birth of Jesus, his two-day message entitled Christmas 2020, The Real Meaning of the Story, explores truths about the earth-shattering event too frequently overlooked in our often very casual and sometimes even politically correct holiday reading. First, of course, is the amazing character of Mary and Joseph, something to be admired and imitated. How amazingly obedient, trusting, and willing must both have been to literally risk their lives by daring to believe God. But the truths uncovered in Pastor's message go far beyond Mary and Joseph. Pastor explains that even Jesus' birth in a lowly stable had powerful meaning because God wanted humanity to always remember that His kingdom is based on meekness and humility, not pride and arrogance. How important it is to remember that it is God's plan that the Christmas story be told exactly as it was written. Christians can never allow it to be told any other way. Joseph, of course, didn't understand what was going on. And um, so, so he says, I'm going to put her away, you know, and, and put her away privately until we can figure out how to work this whole mess out. But he goes to sleep and an angel shows up. Angels are all over the place. He goes to sleep and an angel speaks to him in a dream and says, Joseph, this that Mary has spoken of, this which is in Mary, is of God. Don't be afraid. Take her as your wife and go on with your life. So there's risk involved. And Joseph was willing to assume that risk. Now, the Bible doesn't say, you know, what happened after that. Other than, we'll go back to Luke's gospel. And let's go to chapter 2. So Mary did what the angel said, message from God. Joseph now is in on it and understands what's going on. And the two of them embark on this life together um, without, you know, really understanding how it was going to affect their lives. But you see, let me, let me, here's another little highlight. When you submit yourself to God's will, when you submit yourself to God's word, which is his will, God's going to make everything all right. It's all going to work out. It's all going to be okay. You see, we may not always understand when we embark upon the promises of God or the word of God or the, the life that we see. You know, we don't always understand. But when we dare to believe God and dare to trust him, he's going to make it okay. He's going to work it out. So Mary and Joseph had to embark on this journey not knowing what the end result was going to be. They're just going by, are you ready? Are you ready? You got your, you got your hearing ears on? They're just going by faith. They're just going by faith. You see? Yeah? And that's, where we're, that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be, for the just shall live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. We can't go by what we see. We've got to go by the word of God. Can I get a better amen than that? You will always come up blessed in the long run. All right. So let's go over to chapter 2. And let's just read a little bit. We'll make some comments here. Then we'll go home. 
It says in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. Um, so all went to be registered, everyone of, uh, to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David. Now, for those of you that have read the Old Testament, have studied prophecies and all this, we understand that Jesus had to be connected to the house of David. So even though Joseph was not the natural father, was the stepfather, he still was his overseer and he was from the lineage of David. And that was spoken of in the Old Testament and here revealed uh, in scripture. So we understand Joseph was from the house of David. Jesus, the, the savior that God had promised, was to come, was to be connected to the house of David. And here is that connection. Isn't it wonderful the way the Holy Spirit just weaves everything together? How could you not believe this Bible? You silly man, you silly woman. How could you not believe the word of God? It is so wonderfully woven together word by word and and verse by verse to, to a complete uh, story that God put together without missing one little detail. So, um, went to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, they still weren't married, who was with child. So it was that when they were there, or while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn. Everybody say firstborn. Now, you know, in, in the Catholic Church, and I don't know if that's the only one, but I know it was where I referred to it because I grew up in, that, in the Catholic Church, and, and I had to unlearn some of these things when I actually got to reading the Bible. Because I was always taught that Mary only had one child. It was Jesus. And not only was I taught that, but they even get into some other things where she remained a virgin even after she gave birth. And I don't know. But anyway... Anyway, I don't want to get into all that. But, but anyway, the Bible says firstborn son. Why would the Bible specifically use the terminology firstborn? If, it, if Jesus was the only born, then it would just say she gave birth to a son. That's the end of it. But the Holy Spirit took time to record that this was Mary's firstborn. If this was a firstborn, there had to be a secondborn. Possibly a third. Possibly a fourth. I don't know. We do have reference that there's a spot where... Uh, Jesus was um, talking, or they were talking uh, about Jesus, and, and it says his brothers and names several of the people that were there and recognized them or, or, or pointed to the fact that these were his brothers and his sisters together. So there is good, I believe, evidence that Mary did have more children, right? Um, actually, there's, I don't know if we can get to this verse, but it says that they didn't come together until they didn't come together. In other words, they didn't have sexual relations until Jesus was born. It says that. It says they didn't come together until Jesus was born. So there's further proof that Mary had more children with Joseph and that Jesus most likely had half-brothers and sisters. All right? So it says in verse 7, And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. Now, I love this. this take, just think about this for a minute. The King of glory, the Lord of lords, comes to earth and they can find no room in the end. Do you not think that God could have pulled some strings and got him a room somewhere? Do you not think that God had a little clout maybe somewhere with the Hilton Hotels or the, the Regency Hotel? Or Don't you think that God 
in his majesty and, and might and power could have found a place or, you know, supernaturally moved somebody out to move him in. Don't you think for a minute that God, this is not by accident. I believe that God was trying to set the stage by letting the world know, you know, the nature of this kingdom that Jesus is about to usher in. He's born in a manger on a bed of hay with sheep and goats and chickens and, I don't know, smelly doo-doo all over the place. He's born in this humble place, the king of glory, because God wanted humanity to know that the nature of this kingdom is based on the principle of humility and not pride and arrogance. But humility and selflessness, not an arrogance and pride. So Jesus was purposely born in a manger. He wanted the world to see that this was a humble king that was coming. This was a king that was going to usher in a different kind of kingdom, not a natural one, but a spiritual kingdom that he was about to bring forth. So it's not an accident that he was born in there. Don't feel bad for Jesus. It was the plan of God that he would be born this way to show the world. Now, now he's not showing the world that a spirit of poverty is good. What he's showing the world is that a state of humility is what every person who calls themselves a Christian, a follower of Jesus, ought to seek to live every day of their life. In other words, we are in this world, but we're not of it. We don't set up our kingdom in this world. Our kingdom is over there on the other side of this world. That's where our, it is his kingdom that we are part, part of. We're subjects in his kingdom. And those who call ourselves subjects of his kingdom, we come under and in the principle of humility and lowliness and meekness. Amen. That's why I believe that the principle of humility is one of the most important principles, character principles, that a Christian needs to learn because that's the nature of God's king. Jesus proved it. If anybody was worth, or anyone should have had, been born in a kingly place or in a palace or a palatial estate, it should have been the king of glory. But God showed us the principle, he who humbles himself shall be exalted. He who humbles himself shall be exalted. So humility is the foundation, is the, the nature of this kingdom that God has given uh, to us. Amen? Can I get a better amen than that? All right. So verse 8, now there were many, uh, I'm sorry, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. Angels are showing up everywhere. Showing up to Mary, coming to Joseph in dreams. Well, you see, God, this was, a, this, was like, this was like the moment that all eternity was waiting for. Jesus was coming to restore man back to God. Jesus was coming to break the power of the devil. Jesus was coming to fulfill all of the prophecies that were spoken. Jesus was coming to fulfill the promise that God spoke at the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve screwed the whole thing up. When the devil laughed, God said, get ready because one is coming. One is coming. This was the moment of time that the promise, the fulfillment of the promise of the Father was about to take hold. God had to send angels and do all kinds of signs and miracles and wonders to prove to that generation because they had the responsibility of getting this story written down and being sure that this story was sent out to all corners of the earth. 
God had to do some supernatural things that no one has ever seen before just to convince those who were involved that this was the hand of the Lord that was working because this was the most important thing that humanity would ever see or experience. Wow. The birth of the Savior, Jesus Christ. Can I get a better amen? So, so verse 9, Behold, the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. So the angel shows up to the... I, I was at that shepherd's field when I was in Israel many, many years ago. It's just a big, old, big, old field. And it says that there were some shepherds and one angel comes and announces to them the birth of the Savior. And with that, all heaven breaks loose. God pulls back the curtain of heaven and a legions or legions of angels are floating in the sky and they're all praising God with a loud voice. Glory to God in the highest. That just gives you a picture of the kind of worshiping we're going to be doing in heaven. I got news for some of you. You won't lift a hand. You won't lift a voice. You won't even lift up a song to God. You won't clap. You won't stop your foot. You won't. Let me tell you what. When you get to heaven, you're going to be lost. Everyone's going to be shouting. You're going to be walking around like, what's going on here? When you're in the living word section, we're going to be singing those songs that we've been singing. Yeah. And you're going to say, Huh, I know, I know that, I know that melody, uh, but I don't know the words. You're going to be foolish. You're going to look silly because you didn't sing those songs when we were singing them. And I'm not helping you. There are no big screens in heaven. No, no teleprompters. You got to know it. God just rolled back for a moment for those little shepherds. What was the dynamics of what is taking place in heaven? Angels are singing and shouting in the presence of God. See, that's why it's good to sing. It's good to shout. It's good to clap. It's good to dance in the presence of the Lord. Just roll me back for a minute. See, right now, if God just lifted up the veil, you'd see legions, thousands, and hundreds of thousands of it. That's their assignment. All they do is stand before the throne of God and lead worship day in and day. Some of you can't even get here for a half hour of worship. You're going to be worshiping all day. You're going to, man, you're just not going to be ready for it. You're going to be out of shape. You're going to walk up, what's going on here? Well, I never went to worship service at church. When is this worship going to end? You're going to find out that the worship never ends in heaven. That's what we're going to do. We're going to worship and praise Him. 24 hours, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. There's a, there is a, there's worship, a worship service going on. I was going to say a party going on in heaven. A Holy Ghost party going on in heaven. Angels. Those lowly shepherds. Minding their business. Like, again, God interrupts their life and shows them, tell them, go find this, go find the Savior. The Savior's there. He's in Bethlehem. Go see him. And the angels confirm it. 
by this choir that opens up in the heavens and angels just flying all over the place and singing, shouting, and worshiping in the presence of God. Got a glimpse of heaven right there and what heaven's going to be like. Are you ready for heaven? Awesome. Get excited about it. We're just, we're just sojourners. We're just walking through this place, man. One day we're going to walk, see, and we're just going to, just like that, step right on over. We're not going to any hot place or, or place of medium heat for a while. You know, like we were, I was taught, we're going to this place called Purgatory. I looked all over the Bible. I can't find a Purga or a Tory. I can't find anything. I can't find one thing that, that, says to be to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord one day we're just going to step right on over and bam we're going to be in the presence of those hosts of heavenly angels singing and resounding with the praises of God wow what a glorious moment that's going to be amen thank God he sent Jesus All right, let's finish this up. Let's just read these verses. So it was, verse 15, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, <laughs> yeah, I guess I will say the same thing. <laughs> Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which uh, the Lord has made known to us. I think that was a good idea after, after that experience. You see, that teaches me something when God gives you an experience, you know. He reveals, maybe he doesn't open up heaven and let angels, you know, let you see into the heavenlies, into to that spirit realm with angels singing. But sometimes God reveals things to us. And our response ought to be, come on, let us go now. Let us go now. You see, the, the problem with, with a lot of people is we get revelations from God, but we stagnate. We don't move with it. We hold back for fear, for whatever, laziness. I don't know what it is. We hold back and we don't move with it. The angels got the revelation from God, and the next thing they said is, let us go now. Let us go now. When God gives you the revelation, when God gives you that, you need to go with it and go with it now. Does everybody understand that, man? When he's calling you to himself, don't, don't, don't buck away. Go, man. Don't, don't you know kick and hiss and spit. You go and give you. Do it. Just do it. Immerse yourself in the things of God. Just do it. See? So, when God revealed himself, the next word that they said, let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now, when they had seen him, uh, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. So, when they saw the evidence of what the angels have, or the angel have revealed to them. They went, they saw the child, and now they went out and started to evangelize and tell everybody about this child. They started to tell, and that was God's purpose, to start spreading the news that a Savior was born and to write down this story for generations to hear and to see and to know about that there would never be a mistake that Jesus was who he said was. All right. So seeing, uh, now verse 7, now seeing they uh, widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. Verse 18, and all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. So they went out and gave their testimony and people believed it. People received it. They, they marveled because they told their testimony of what God had revealed to them and what God had done in their life. See, see that teaches me something right there. You, don't hold back your testimony. Tell the world about your testimony. Tell your world about, you know, tell, tell your, the people around you in your, in your world, in your little community, or your little sphere of influence. Tell them 
Tell them about your testimony and what Jesus has done in your life. They're going to believe it because the anointing is on you, right? So, so it says in verse 19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen, that they'd heard and seen, and as it was told to them. So Mary just didn't fully see what that leads me to understand or to believe, is Mary didn't understand all that God really had intended here. But it says that she pondered these things. She kept them in her heart. The shepherds show up and say, hey, listen, we're minding our business in the field. And an angel came and she says, she's probably thinking to herself, uh-oh, there's that angel again. Now what? And the shepherd said, no, no, they told us that this baby was born. He's going to be the savior of the world. This is an angel. And then all heaven, all heaven broke loose. And angels are flying all over the place, singing glory to God. And Mary's hearing this testimony and other testimonies. You know, what Joseph went through with the, with the angel. And she's pondering these things in her heart. She didn't fully understand. You see, you don't always fully understand what God's doing in your life. But you ponder it in your heart. You keep it alive in your heart, holding on to it, even though you may not understand it fully, but you know, how many of you know God is, God is doing something in your life? You just know that God is at work in your life. Well, you've got to do like Mary. You may not understand it totally, but you, you hold on to what, whatever revelation you have and you ponder it in your heart. And Mary pondered. That's what, that's what a good mother does, by the way, about, over her children. You know, you ponder in your heart all of the things that you believe about your children. And Mary was doing that. She was just pondering these things in her heart, mulling over and thinking uh, about all of these testimonies and how God was working so supernaturally. And she wouldn't know the fullness of the story until she walked it out. She didn't have God. The angel didn't tell her what the end result was going to be. Little bits and pieces. Little bits and pieces. Isn't that interesting? Doesn't God speak to you that way? just gives you little bits and pieces, little bits, and you don't fully understand the whole thing. You try to put it together and don't try because you're going to make a mess. Don't try to put the story. Don't try to complete the story. Let him do it. So everybody with me? All Mary and Joseph had to do was walk it out day by day, week by week, month by month, and the whole thing came to pass, right? So we end here. It says, then the shepherds returned again, glorifying God, praising for all the things they had seen and heard. And um, as it was told to them. So they had a testimony. They went and they told it to the world about what they saw and what they received from God. So this is a brief little Reader's Digest, I guess we could call it, version of the Christmas story. There's every gospel refers to it, talks about it. You can read, read it. But as I said in the beginning, don't let Hollywood tell the story of Christmas. Don't let the world change the whole meaning of Christmas. The meaning of Christmas is that a Savior was born... God came to this earth in the form of a human and took our sin, our weaknesses upon himself, died on a cross, and then was resurrected from the dead to break the power of the devil so that through his life, we might receive life. Through his sacrifice, we might receive blessing. Through what he did, we become the benefactors. He paid the price, but we got the blessing. Come on, put your hands together and give the Lord. Tune in again Monday afternoon at 2 for More Than Conquerors. If today's message was a blessing to you, ask for your free CD of the broadcast for a gift of any amount to help support this radio ministry. 
Just mail your request with your check to More Than Conquerors or MTC, P.O. Box 8187, White Plains, New York, 10602. Be sure to include the date of the message you're requesting. If ordering a complete Bible study series, a minimum love offering of $20 is appreciated. Identify the series and include the word series in your order. Before we go, here's a final word from Pastor Ray. Hello, this is Pastor Ray. I wanted to take a moment from today's broadcast to tell you about a brand new book I've written that's just become available for purchase entitled Discouragement, Doubt, and Compromise. I wrote this book because of after more than 37 years of pastoring, I see too many Christians, both newly saved and those mature in their walk with God, fall victim to a device of the enemy that he has been using against God's people ever since the beginning of time. It's simply a threefold plan of discouragement, doubt, and compromise. I know this material will be a tremendous blessing to you in encouraging and stimulating your faith and helping you to truly be more than a conqueror. Why not go to my website right now and order your copy, PastorRayNY.com. Why not order a copy for a friend as well? That's PastorRayNY.com.